1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons. It's an absolute podcast. I'm your host, as always, John and With me today, in person, for the second time ever on this show, is Dan Lyons.
0: Hello, everyone. Happy, uh, bast- it's basketball season, right? We're, we're closing in on it, at least.
1: Yeah, we're, we're in basketball. <laughs> we're basketball adjacent. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of, we're dipping our toes into the water of basketball. This is, uh... Dan, how's your first uh, West Coast edition of this podcast so far?
0: Uh, so far, so good. I mean, I the the football game was was left back east with me uh, so in a, in a past life. <laughs> back in hell. Yes. <laughs> Where it belongs. Um, I did not. Uh, so I, I could have gotten the basketball game on the plane right over. Uh, I opted for the Packers game. Uh, but then I've kind of skimmed through the game later on and was following it pretty closely. So I guess like the the transportation-slash-now-being-at-west version of myself with Syracuse has been all, all good, no, no complaints. So, obviously, <laughs> we're going to beat NC State on Saturday before I leave. Uh, hopefully, we continue the good mojo on Sunday. Do uh, so we have Sunday on Basketball gate Yes. On Sunday, uh, as I'm once again going to be in the air, and then we uh, then we move on, move forward. But, uh, yeah, the, the football game seems like a lifetime ago, and uh, hopefully it can stay there with the rest of the disappointing – uh, random Syracuse blowout losses of years past. Hopefully it can just be this year's Georgia Tech 20, uh, was it 2013? Uh, oh, yeah, the 56 to nothing. Yeah, that's well. what it felt like. Like, just completely listless from the from the go on both sides of the ball. And we still made a bowl that year. So hopefully that's what this is and not uh, 2011 uh, post-West Virginia win Syracuse.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know since the guys didn't do the live cast over the weekend, uh, we could talk about it a little bit. I mean, I don't want to live in that world uh, of that Louisville game. However, uh, I will say that, like, in the immediate aftermath, one of my bigger issues was that it felt like a vintage Babers post-buy loss. And, And to me, the fact that that's a thing and the thing that that exists drives me up a wall. That, that it seems like year after year, I mean, we're, what, two and six now after buys um, under Babers, and a lot of them have been pretty one-sided. Three of them in particular um, have been shutouts or, you know, figurative shutouts in the case of this past weekend where SU just kind of no-showed from the jump. There wasn't really much else to talk about the game. There's not even anything to take from the game. Um, you know, I mean, you and I were even talking on Twitter after, like, seeing Tucker and Trader out there in the final snaps when you could potentially get, you know, snaps for Jacobian Morgan or Justin Lampson or give Cooper Lutz some reps that he doesn't fumble the ball next time he has it or give Abdul Adams some carries because why wouldn't you? Like having just some questionable, um, you know, personnel decisions even at the end of the game, like when all was very certainly lost, just didn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, the Tucker thing bothered me. Obviously, Babers said that it was Tucker's call, and I, I like respect that to a degree. But at the same time, you have to be looking out with, for what's best for your star player. Like Tucker, you know, we may have to lean on him to carry the ball twenty-five times these next two games. Like, to- like each, um, just taking unnecessary hits in a thirty-eight point game in the late fourth quarter. Even if he wants to go back in, obviously, I think any star running back probably wants to go back in, you know, to some degree, just to try to make something happen. I respect that. But, like, when you're the coach, you have to just kind of put your foot down and say, like, what's best for the team is that you don't get hurt in complete garbage time against Louisville in a game that's been over since the, the first quarter, probably. Um, and that, like, we, like, as you said, try to get some of these other guys, some reps, try to make these, like, meaningful snaps, because they were not really meaningful snaps for Derek Schrader and Sean Tucker and the rest of the starters. Uh, after Louisville, Ted pulled Cunningham for at least about a couple drives by that point, like, try to get something out of this, like, the rest of this game, because essentially it was just rendered meaningless, and, like, the biggest possibility in that in that whole instance was Tucker getting hurt, or t- and he's, you know, he's done banged up at times this year, so it's not like he's invincible. Um, so, yeah, I didn't love that. Um, I think you can be a player's coach and like, I don't know, I don't think Sean Tucker is placing in this program when we've given him, you know, so much work, and, and he's gotten the opportunity to set all kinds of records. Like, he's not going to, it's not going to change because he got benched in a fourth quarter in a, meet, in a game that was well over, so... Um, yeah I didn't love that I didn't love just kind of the general st- stuff coming from Babers after the games which has been a trend this year's lack of accountability and his part um, saying the team wasn't motivated after a bye week it's like well why is this a constant thing like <laughs> he's the only one who's been here the whole time in his tenure and I'm you know I'm, I'm not saying that he's wrong but at some point you have to take responsibility as a coach as to like why is his team not getting up after bye weeks like If it was a one-time thing, you know, it happens. Teams get unfocused. But this team has, like, a lot to play for, and they still do. Um, So that was disappointing. It wasn't a bye week and a, you know, a lost, you know, two or three win season. It was a bye week um, with probably your best chance to secure bowl eligibility. Like, the team should have been laser focused. So if they weren't, like, what, you know, what's the why? Like, give me something. Yeah. Um, But that's just kind of been a trend this year. Whatever stuff goes poorly, and, you know, we've had all these – Close losses where we can get frustrated. Now you have a, a blowout loss, and, and through all of them, we haven't really heard um, just a lot of accountability on Baber's side, which has bothered me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know Baber's like did kind of start things off with like saying, like, you know, part of it was like on him, but I did think that it's him saying it's on him, but then trotting out a bunch of reasons why it potentially isn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, and maybe it's just the cynic in me like sees it as that, but I, I did think that this is a, this has been a weird season. In a lot of ways, been a dumb season. Maybe, maybe one of the dumbest in, 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 in the the pantheon of dumb seasons um, for Syracuse. But seeing just like the, 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 there's very few answers at, at the end of games about why things go wrong. And here, like I do think that you know maybe this is just me. I see a lack of snaps for um, a lot of you know players in the second string as. That's a bad sign if you're a young guy in this program. It's a bad sign if you're a potential incoming recruit and you don't think you're going to have a chance to start right away. Like, if you're Lamson and uh, and Morgan, like, w- what exactly, like, do you think going to happen next year now when it's you, Schrader, you two and Schrader, and Schrader's the only one who's, who's seen any real game reps, you know, in, in the last 12 months. Like, now, you know, if you're Morgan, you're going in without playing football and you know, a year and a half, really, for the most part. And if you're Lampson, you haven't really played at all. Because, I mean, I believe his senior season might have gotten canceled, or if it wasn't, if it was it, it was abbreviated. So now Lampson hasn't played in a couple of years. Like, I, I just, this has always been a thing with Babers, and I think that, like, we're not necessarily doing a good job of selling opportunity and selling, like, hey, you can play your way up the depth chart. Like, who knows what would have happened in some alternate reality where, you know, Howard and, uh, and Adams don't opt out last year. Tucker never gets to jump up from fourth on the depth chart. And, like, maybe this whole season never happens. Maybe the emergence of him last year never happens either. And th- th- that's problematic to me, that, that we're not at least utilizing the time at hand in a blowout loss, win or lose, well, blowout loss or blowout win in some cases, like to get guys meaningful reps that can benefit the team this year and going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at the very least, like you put Morgan in there, he's experienced, you know, he should know, quote unquote, know the office. I know things have changed a lot this year, um, but there's just no reason to not like see something there. And and if you're Morgan, you know, obviously last year he was thrust into a, a really brutal situation. So you, you think that he would kind of relish the lower stakes um, snaps to be able to prove himself. You know, if you're saying that we're just on a bench, you know, maybe you have a dream with Lamson and this is like a clear redshirt year. That's fine. Um, granted, he hasn't played, so he could take snaps yeah. in one game and, and then not, not uh, jeopardize that. Um, but, yeah, just overall, like, you know, I'm not going to get too worked up with the, the recent transfers because that's happening everywhere. But, you know, this Syracuse, one of the things that you have to sell people is opportunity, is playing time. Um, is the ability to come in and beat someone out for a job and play right away? We've we've had great success with that on the defensive side, especially in the last couple of years. And like I think you want to be able to put that forward and give concrete evidence to that when you're going out to try to build on a recruiting class that's a little shallow right now um, and keep momentum going forward. Especially you know if this staff is going to be here next year, which we I think we probably still assume at this point. Um, yeah, I think that's like one of the main tenets of you're recruiting uh to this program right now and keeping your starters in there in a 38 point game uh that was well in hand by the uh yeah (laughs) whenever the first snap i don't know um is is you know not the best time maybe recruits don't notice like obviously i don't expect them to all be watching every minute of every syracuse game but um you know, I think if you're if you're gonna try to turn like a really awful negative into like something of a positive, like the way they handled things was not the way they should have done it. Like Sean Tucker did ninety five yards, straight. Like it doesn't mean that much that he got an extra like what, twenty yards at the end. It's he's ended his numbers. So and I don't think that was why Tucker wanted to go in. I think he's just competitive. But um, again, I think uh, definitely wasn't the way to handle a late game. Even if like obviously losing by that much is always gonna be hard to paper over. At least he could have like gleaned something, and we didn't really do that
1: yeah and and i think you know this goes back to like something we've said before around Babers of like there's been games that were just like i mean last year's louisville game like the clemson game that i also mentioned that was also after a bye it just seemed like once the boulder was rolling downhill that was it Mm. that we just got out of the way we let it roll and we didn't necessarily take advantage of 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 time afforded to us to try things in game And, and and the fact that we struggled with our starters out there moving the ball against Louisville's second unit. Didn't really give me any warm fuzzies. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, there, there, there's so much more to the game than just that. But to me, that was unfortunate. I think while, you know, you brought up the transfers, while I'm, I'm not overly concerned about the transfers ov- at, overall, at the same time, you look right now, we've got 69 or 70 players, depending on wh- whether Devon Cooper's um, a scholarship guy, and he's leaving either way. You're looking at 13 to 15 departures this off season with graduates. Never mind people that are also potentially transferring on top of everyone that transferred out this year. We've only got 10 guys in the class uh, for 2022. Favors has said straight up that he doesn't think he's going to be leaning heavily on uh, the transfer portal. I'm not going to say we can't get at least 80 scholarship players for next year, but we're already we're already starting from well behind, and I'm just. I'm planning ahead for my own just like sanity that that we're going to have maybe 80 players on scholarship when next season starts and that's before accounting for again anyone that leaves between now and next year's kickoff.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's really concerning as well, especially those just those raw uh, recruiting numbers, like I'm going through the ACC page on 24/7 right now. We're, like 73rd there in the country, I think. Yeah, I mean, these are beyond the rankings. Like just the class of 2022. Like we are a month ish from the early signing, uh, early signing period opening. Um, they're really, and that's when most people signed. Like there, there's you know, there's a couple months after that, but you're mostly. Competing for the last couple guys and that's when schools can really narrow their focus So then it, it's probably harder to win those battles that late um, Because schools have a better idea of what their scholarship situation is if a big dog comes in on one of your Like three star players and decides they want to use one of the last scholarship, you have to fight that off um, And looking like Clemson is a pretty small class, but you, you're not gonna worry about Clemson. They have 13 commits UNC is 16 uh, Vot Tech is 24 and obviously they'll probably lose a bunch of those but um, like as far as I think Louisville and Miami are the only two with fewer they have 8 commits each but like you have other schools in your conference that have 15 20 plus and like that's tough to compete with because it's it's not going to be easy to fill another 10 or 15 scholarships in the next, in the next month maybe they can Maybe they can get like half of that. But especially with the
1: caliber of guys you need to be able to get
0: that as well. Like you can have I mean, you know, I'd rather have a good class than a mid class, but if we're gonna be um, if we're gonna be pretty shallow on the depth chart in general, like signing a half or two thirds of a class, like we saw what happened I mean, we saw how what the impact was even transitioning back in like the G Rob Marone days, where it took us forever to get to a full even through Schaefer. I think it took right. us so long to get back up to like a full a load of scholarship players and, and that even took like adding late flyer type guys um which is fine if you have the space but like when you're relying on that to fill a depth chart that's when it becomes problematic and then if you're if, if you're babers you have to be i don't know why you would say you don't want to rely on the transfer portal um i would be super aggressive in the transfer portal because next year like you're on the cutting block for sure if you're not this year so i would be going i'd be trying to sell a whole like mash unit of transfers at key positions if if there are guys who can come in and help right away. Like, what's the worst case? You flame out on one? You probably didn't have a person in that position anyway. Or one of the guys on the depth chart already beats them out, and that's fine. Like, I, I would be bringing in as many scholarship veteran players as you can. Because we've had some really good success with a, bu- a number of them. So, it's not like that. I mean, for all of Baber's you know, issues, I think bringing in transfers has not really been one of them. He's done a pretty good job with the guys that they have brought in. Where at worst, it's, you know, someone doesn't work out, and then it just it's a scholarship that wasn't going to get filled otherwise in low likelihood. So. Yeah,
1: it's been a grad guy, or, like, really, we've... I think Babers, while he hasn't relied heavily on the transfer portal, we've had some really good hits mm-hmm. in it. Um, especially, like, from the Juco ranks, you look at a guy like Alton Robinson in particular, but, like, at Atawo, one of his early wins there. Um, Schrader at least seems like a net positive so far. Tristan Jackson. Uh, yeah, Tristan like Jackson. Like, like, like so, so there are examples of SU really like Cody Roscoe and other, like, of, like, guys that have worked. So, like, let's replicate that realistically because now, like, while we haven't relied on transfers a ton, we've found success more often than not when we've gotten them. So let's please try to get more because, I mean, and and you know what? Like, I think we need a grad transfer quarterback, not because I don't think Trader's the guy, but because I think realistically there needs to be some sort of, like, at least challenge or alternative to what Trader's giving us.
0: Yeah, I mean if you want to bring in a draft transfer down to push him, that's fine. I think there's also uh, obviously this, we don't have any info on this, but there's like a distinct possibility just based on the quarterback position works that either Morgan or Lampson leaves in the next year. Um just as I assume one of them will establish himself over the other and then quarterbacks leave. That's just what happens. Like we saw we you know, we've had two leave this year, and it's hard to bedrudge them for it because there's so few opportunities. Um but yeah, I would totally I would be totally fine bringing in a quarterback. Um, but then even the Schrader story, I think, really helps you sell, like, while it's disappointing that DeVito didn't work out, you can then sell, like, hey, we had a four-star quarterback here and the other guy with the better, best chance to win, he came in and we gave him the job. Like, that's a story you can sell to any position. Um, if you were the Tody Rasto came in, he's exploded the second year, Alton Robinson's on the Seahawks right now, like, these guys, if you come in, even if you're coming from a smaller school or you're coming from—or you just didn't work out at your first opportunity or what, what have you. Um, you will be given every opportunity to come win a job because we just need to win some games. And I think that's a super attractive message, playing the ACC. It's like, not like we don't have opportunities to, to do some big things at Syracuse. Again, we're not that far removed from a big bowl game. So, yeah, I, I would be super aggressive. Maybe Babers is just trying not to show his hand. That's fine. Um, I don't know that it's any secret that Syracuse needs to bring in players, <laughs> so I don't really know what the, what the advantage is. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I'd be very disappointed if we weren't, like, pretty aggressively hammering the transfer market because there's gonna be so many players on it again this year and it's just a wasted opportunity if you're not if you're not looking at that as like a major part of your program building at this point.
1: Yeah, and you look at like a lot of like uh, programs around the country in our general um, like rung and, and above it, like I mean, you know, Taj Harris leaves Syracuse, a, a run first team, to put himself in position to get drafted, then he goes to Kentucky, another run first team. Yeah. And and, and I'm not gonna begrudge him for making that decision, but he did it mid-season. He did it mid-year. He was able to say, "I'm heading here, and that's it." SU hasn't really made those moves. I think SU has always been maybe a step or two behind, and this predates even Babers' a step or two behind in terms of like typical roster building. And, and, and again, this could all be, you know, just just nonsensical complaining or um, concern. You know, when, when we look back at this in February, but I have a feeling that there's at least some work. It needs to be done behind the scenes to help make this seem like it was needless uh, concern.
0: Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it's going to come down to resources, especially with recruiting. Like, if you look at your average SEC program or whomever, like they have armies of recruiting staffers just identifying talent, um, doing like the, the, the grunt work before a coach actually goes in there to start building those relationships. Syracuse probably has what a couple guys. Well, we lost our main
1: guy. Yeah. We never replaced him. <laughs> yeah,
0: so, I mean, we're in a different... Like, we have to work that much harder. to, And that's not really Babers' fault. Like, the the resources are what they are. Um, but, I mean, it's another it's another way in which we are kind of behind the eight ball by default. And then, you know, if you're not a succeeded Syracuse, you don't have to work that much harder. And, you know, making sure you're on top of the transfer portal stuff has been part of it. So, um, yeah, it's certainly not all him. And, like, if Babers doesn't work out, I, there will be lots of... I'm sure large-scale discussions about uh, Syracuse football's place in the world, Um, especially with all the, you know, rumor mongering about, you know, what the next kind of phase of college football is and how the top 30 separate themselves from the the next 30 and the Power Five. That's all well and good, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like a job that needs to get done. You know, Wake Forest is top 10. Like, if Wake Forest can do it, we can do it. I know they have some advantages over us, but, like...
1: We could have done it a couple of years ago. Yeah. Could have, I mean, really, realistically, I mean, not to be, like, that ridiculous, we could have done it this year. Like, with a not that good team? If you look at just... Yeah, I mean, you need all the balls to bounce the right, right. way. The way they did in 2018. Yeah, the way they did in 2018. And even then, we still had, um, you know, the, the almost win at Clemson. We had the almost win at Pitt. Like,
0: mm.
1: even despite the fact that most balls bounced the right way that year,
0: some still didn't. Right. Yeah, and it's it's just to say, like, A, investment in the program is a major hurdle, especially for a program like Syracuse. Um, But, like, we've seen other programs, like, apparently Wakes facilities are great. Like, apparently there was a whole, there's a feature, I think, in the Athletic Baby, it was ESPN uh, recently about, like, all the things that they're doing to try to overcome their status as the smallest FBS school. Um, So, yeah, I mean, part of it is... uh, comes down to like fan uh, support and investment and boosters and all of that fun stuff and a lot of that doesn't really get goosed until you start winning games on a major level but so you know' time that kind of, they kind of work hand in hand so it's tricky but uh, overall like there are things that Babers hasn't done um, both on the field and in recruiting that I think uh, need to be maximized and and you know ultimately like time is very much of the essence for him and his staff so you know, hopefully, it can't just be Nick Monroe out there like pulling his weight. We need to get everyone finding every possible person who is willing to come to Syracuse because you know it's tough. But the 2018, I don't think was a fluke. Like it can, it is there for you.
1: Totally. So we'll talk a little bit about basketball before we get into uh, beer, and then next week's, oh, then this coming week's football game. Uh, basketball teams two and uh Drexel made things like mildly interesting for a little bit of time um, over the weekend. And then we just kind of walked by and everybody was fine. <laughs> Dan, was, was there anything that like stood out to you in that game as something interesting, something problematic, or are we still in the kind of too early phase of the season?
0: Um, ultimately, we're probably too early. Um, I appreciated the fact that like in the last couple of years, I think this game looked like a really scary one that we maybe would have flirted with disaster with. And instead, uh, you know, has a, a pretty decent Dressel team, an NCAA tournament team. Um, We just came out and flexed our muscles in the second half. And that was really encouraging. Um, I thought it was really interesting that this team only only shot 16 threes. We made eight of them. Like, it's a great mark. Um, But after, like, the barrage that we saw through exhibition and uh, the first game, like, you know, a pretty moderate amount. I mean, 16 threes on 54 attempts for what this team looks like and profiles like is different. But I actually kind of appreciate that they find different ways to win offensively because you know we've seen we've seen what happens against us when a team that only relies on threes they might bomb us out but more often than not like they're taking bad shots they're not uh, actually exploiting the zone which i think it actually did a fairly good job of in the first half but then you know things came up short um so yeah I, I i appreciated how efficient we were on offense and then seeing the defense kind of uh make adjustments uh close ranks and uh, I you know I also appreciate the balanced scoring that we have seem to have this year you know four guys in double digits I think it was five or six in game one so a lot of a lot of weapons as we talked about last week um, it's not going to be an easy an easy defend for uh, opposing teams because we have so many guys that can go off this today I mean or the other day with Buddy uh, game one it was you know a lot of Jimmy to set the tone so I think this is going to offensively uh, be one of those teams where you don't really know where the the, the big-time game is coming from, but it's going to be really hard to just completely wipe us out, uh, which is nice because, you know, we've been so single-player, two-player focused for so long.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we said, you know, having five-on-five five basketball is definitely a plus, and, and we're definitely going to challenge defenses, I think. The Colgate game shouldn't tell us a ton, though Colgate should be... They were good last year. They were yeah.
0: that, that crazy, like, top-ten net rating or whatever it was. Yeah, for, like, they were, the were whole super year.
1: interesting. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, the bigger thing is the Bahamas... I know the women's team is heading down there this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, tough games for them, USF. Um, I think UConn's probably uh, on the schedule and some other like tough teams um, in, in that tournament. And then for SU, um, you start off with VCU. I'm going to assume that UConn's probably next up for them. Um, I'm, I am really still surprised, and we expressed it at the time, still really surprised that the uh, tournament um, avoided the UConn-Syracuse matchup in game one, but maybe they're trying to bank on... Uh, more interesting matchups as the tournament goes on.
0: What was it last time? Was it game two where we caught them last time in was that Bahamas uh, or was that
1: that was that was the Bahamas? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, same think, kind of deal. Thanksgiving week. Uh, I think it was game two.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was game two for that one too.
0: Yeah, I guess they're just kind of banking on both getting by. Uh, well, I think last
1: time too the field wasn't as tough. Like this is one of the tougher yeah. like, uh, battle for Atlantis uh, fields. That we've seen, you know, uh, Baylor's there, Arizona State's there, us, UConn, uh, Auburn. I mean, VCU is not never like, an, yeah, an easy out. Yeah, VCU's out. no slouch. Like, I feel like the tournament used to be like that first game was like, hey, "Yeah, you'll you'll win this." Like, it's like 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 a Charlotte type opponent. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you'll win this, and then you'll head to the next, and then you'll face a major conference um, opponent. So, definitely some tough tests ahead for SU. I think, like you said, seeing a team like this. Only shoot 16 threes, um, shoot them well, and then try to do other things to score. It's probably going to benefit them long-term and against this tougher competition that's coming up very quickly when we have that really difficult stretch um, from the battle for Atlantis through like the beginning of December um, against teams like Florida State, Georgetown, uh, Indiana.
0: Yeah, and shout out again to uh, the perfect point guard, Joe Girard, who has not <laughs> done anything wrong this whole year. Uh, his mid-hit, all of his shot, all of his threes. Um, just played really good basketball. like you know we gave Joe a tough time last year and you know he's answered he's been a he's just been a really steady point guard which I think this team needs more than like someone who's coming out gunning because we have so many other weapons so kudos to him but yeah I mean to see him you know five assists not down all three threes he's then like kind of just going for the good looks he's getting to the paint um, I think he's he's free throws seem to be going better than they were last year he didn't hit any shoot any against Dretzel but I think he was perfect in game one uh, last year obviously that was kind of a sign that something was going on with him after he was like you know completely knocked down from the line this freshman year last year he was under 80 percent um so yeah no it's been it's been great to see him again Jesse eight four for four just the kind of you know we want more rebounds from him but the kind of uh the kind of offensive performance that we've kind of been looking for you know get us eight to ten points be a threat make them cover you Don't be a a placeholder down there that they can stick, like, some big body on. Um, So – and then, uh, you know, Frank uh, Anselm, I think, has been uh, doing really nice minutes. Obviously, Beheim talked a lot about him in the preseason. But it's good to see him chipping in, like, 16 minutes in this last game. I think if he can give us routinely 10 to 15, that's going to be huge for us.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, All right. Dan, why don't we talk a little bit about beer here uh, before we get back into football – so, uh, what have you been drinking?
0: Um, so, I have had a few local things. I've been trying to make an effort of having at least one or two uh, a night while I've been out here, although I've been working East Coast time, so it's cut down on my uh, my consumption a bit. But uh, so, last night I had uh, a Rukler Hellas from the brewery, uh, which was really nice. Uh, also, had a Mike Check from Boomtown Brewing, Big which, fan. Was, which was great. Um, I don't drink a ton of Pilsner's, but that was a really, really nice one. Also had uh, did I bring up the Swami's IPA from Pizza Port last week? I had Mm -hmm. actually had that back east, but I know it's a West Coast brewery. Um, I had something from Modern Times. It was a seasonal IPA, and then I forgot to check in when I was at the restaurant, and then uh, I couldn't find out which one which one it was. Uh, But something from Modern Times, which was really nice. Um, So yeah, I've been checking. You know, a lot of the boxes that you go through every week, but uh, you know, this weekend I'll ramp it up a lot more once I'm once I'm done with the, the five day work week here. Very nice. Waking up at 5:45. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm not really that much better. I'm waking up at 6:30. That's with fair. The, uh, with the kids, those, those beloved children. Um, for me, a few different things. Uh, I had a four pack of uh, monkish, other half in trilliums, like whoa, uh, sitting around my fridge, so I made sure to finish out that. I was at the San Diego State-Nevada uh, game on Saturday last week. Um, they're actually playing Carson right now because their stadium's under construction. So you know, since no one makes that trip three hours, um, there was pretty much no one in the stands. Made it pretty easy to just drink and do whatever you want. So had some Kona Big Wave, some extra pale ale from Alesmith, uh, and some Lagunitas IPA. So nothing crazy, um, but I'll be sure to have more interesting things to report next week.
0: Yeah, middle no, of Thanksgiving. That was a solid... Break out all your October and your pumpkins.
1: Yeah, my uh, I, I my, my usual is I have my first celebration from Sierra Nevada, uh, Thanksgiving. There you go. And then and then pretty much just drink it consistently for the rest of the month.
0: So. I tailgated a Syracuse football game with celebration one day. It was a really bad idea. Yeah, you should. That's a, way too heavy a beer for that. I was young. <laughs> I was I was uh, like twenty-two. Um, you, you live and learn. A fun headline that just came in. Nevin Shapiro claims Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin is a top candidate for Miami. That's never going to happen. Like, there's just nope. no way. But I appreciate Nevin Shapiro staying on the message boards, keeping his finger on the pulse. Shoot your shot,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to so the football team. We're back there. Uh, NC State 7-3. and They're ranked in the top 25. Uh, the Wolfpack lost by three to Wake Forest last weekend. So a tough loss for them. Um, something that we can relate to a bit. Given the fact that we also lost pretty close to uh, Wake Forest, Dan, we have not played well against NC State in general. We're two and twelve all time, uh, one and six in Raleigh. Do you think that we have a legitimate shot to win this game?
0: Um, we have a legitimate shot. I mean, NC State's good; they're consistent, but they're not great. I mean, none of these ACC teams—these team, ACC teams—are great. Like. I think, you know, we gave Wake a really good puncher's chance. We gave Clemson, we should, should have beaten Clemson, and should have beaten Clemson arguably. Um, I think NC State's in that same class. Uh, they're probably a little more consistent. They're more explosive offensively uh, than whatever's happening in Clemson right now. Um, but, I, you know, if, if we can roll with, with Wake and all those other teams, um, yeah, I mean, if, in our best day, we can certainly uh, beat State. You know, they have a, a decent passing game. Uh, Leary... Uh, You know, does a nice job protecting the ball. 29 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Not super explosive, but, you know, gets the job done about as well as anyone they've had recently. Um, Solid running game. Uh, Knight averages over 5 yards a carry. They have 1,300 yards in the year. So, yeah, it's just a nice, you know, balanced team. They have a bunch of receivers that are dangerous. You know, 5 guys over 200 yards. Um, It it kind of, they actually kind of, like, uh, while I I don't think they're going to have, like, the dual threat uh, factor, although Cunningham didn't really run the ball that much against us he threw for four touchdowns and got whatever he wanted um, in terms of like the balance of their offense it kind of remind me of Louisville which stares me and they're a better team than Louisville um, that being said like I don't know that we should just go and expecting that Syracuse is going to lay an egg every week now because it happened one time um, we've seen those weird games they happen in football um, the question is like can Babers get this team refocused after that kind of loss if they weren't focused going in off the week,ly and, and going into a pretty tough place to play? And it's a place that we've never fared well. Um, that I am not super confident of.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, Devin Leary is a really, really, like, accurate passer. He's a good passer. Um, he's stayed healthy this year, which has been a plus for him for NC State. Um, like you said, though, he's been able to uh, get the ball around to a lot of different guys. They still have a run game involved, even if it's not as dynamic as it was last year. I, I think in general, like, the the scary part for me about this NC State team is just how good the run D is. Run defense is 10th in the country, allowing just over 100 yards a game. Now, obviously, they're not facing Sean Tucker every week, not facing Garrett Trader every week. However, like, if they can slow down um, one of those guys, and we even saw, you know, against BC, realistically— BC slowed down trader on the ground and that was enough to make things a little bit more interesting than we probably wanted them to be despite the fact that Tucker ran for what two hundred yeah like and, and that that's kind of the problem that we're running into now is Dan how much of it at this point do you think is opponents have sniffed out trader do you think the trader might be a little banged up still after that big hit he took at the end of the Virginia Tech game do you think that there's just a limit to what he can do and how many times he can do it and are we at it at this point like I, I, I'm i just wondering if if the last two games are representative of maybe a more accurate picture of Syracuse versus what we saw you know against a Wake Forest or against a Clemson for really a short stretch that made that game look more interesting than it needed to be
0: yeah I think that's one of the scary notions for me is because last week we talked about coming off the bye week what are we going to see that's new like what what are the new wrinkles for Schrader going to be? Because we saw for a while there, like every week, there seemed to be something building on whatever we had established up until the Virginia Tech game where he threw the ball quite well. Obviously he had the mid-play at the end. Um, and then things have seemed to have plateaued for him from there. Luckily we had Tucker against BC, so you know he was able to carry the offense, uh, as he so often does. But um, we can't get by with Schrader throwing for 46 yards. It's just never going to work.
1: Um, he's got, what, 120 or so? I think he's got... I think he has less than 100 yards, or it's close to 100 yards passing over the last two games combined. He's got 120 rushing yards. Just, yeah. It's, it's basically been Tucker and only Tucker as far as the offense goes.
0: Right, and it's like we're lucky that Tucker is even as productive as he is when teams are stacking the box because right. Schrader doesn't really present that threat that, like, again, against Virginia Tech, he kind of was. He became that um, too late for them for them to pick up picked up on it so i do wonder if like the things have been so basic with what schrader can do that teams are very easily keying in on him uh they're spying on him pretty much every play um they're keeping him from breaking contained which is where he's super dangerous once he gets out in the open field like no cornerback wants to have him running you know barreling down on him he's a huge huge rusher um But, uh, you know, that's kind of the the thing where that's going to dictate both how we finish this season and also what next year looks like. Because, you know, maybe Schrader hates leaps and bounds in the offseason. That'd be great. Obviously, we can't write that off. He's, you know, ultimately been a big part of a lot of the games that we've won this year. But um, is he not going to, like, what's the ceiling for him? Does he have, like, this new level as a passer that he can attain? Is he going to take a full offseason or can we find it? in these next couple weeks, um, based on the last couple of games, it's hard to be super optimistic against like pretty solid NC state and pit defenses uh, to, too good NC state and pit defenses, um, especially without like, you know, I think they have way fewer questions than some of the other teams that traders had a lot of success against. Uh, so yeah, it, it, you know, maybe last week or the last two weeks have just been like really down weeks for him. And he's done a, he has a, a rebound ahead of him. Um, we've seen it, you know, earlier in the season, he would bounce back. He bounced back from some kind of iffy outings to put together some more dynamic ones. But um, if uh, they've kind of snuffed out, like, the full bag of tricks with him, we can't like, I don't, We can't beat these two teams with just Tucker running for, you know, five yards of Terry and, and everything else kind of didn't contained Because eventually we, you know, it on third down however many times. Our special teams are iffy. Um, I don't think we're super well built to kind of win those ten of games this year because of how... Uh, how the special teams have performed in a lot of uh, especially the punt game um, a weird issue for us uh, so yeah I, I think the, the these last two games are going to come down to whether Schrader can be the guy who played against Virginia Tech it doesn't have to be perfect but he has to present some sort of downfield threat uh, and keep things open for himself and for Tucker or if if this past weekend was kind of a sign for things to come then these last two might get pretty ugly
1: yeah I mean Pitt and NC State are both top 25 run defenses in the country so like mm-hmm. You know pit, You want to look at like the games that they've lost. They've lost games that where teams have really kind of bombed them out. Like we don't have that.
0: Shout out to Tim Lester.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's up Tim Lester, the the, the, the method the cat himself, just completely, uh, you know, running roughshod. I'm just gonna <laughs> mention that secondary. this weekend.
0: I assume Western Michigan does not have a bye this weekend. This weekend, Tim Lester and George McDonald are gonna be head coaches in uh, college football. Wild. What a world.
1: The, the, the I are going to throw 35 unblocked bubble screens. <laughs> it's going to be great.
0: Uh, well, you should do a QA and a with the Illinois blog just to be like, <laughs> what to expect from George McDonald. How is George McDonald on Brett Bielema's staff? That's so weird. I have no idea. Well, he had Arkansas ties at
1: one point, didn't he? I don't... Maybe he did he? I, I thought he was headed to Arkansas as the wide receivers coach, and then we uh, offered him like the OC gig. Oh, yeah. Or, <laughs> which out great. We could have solved a lot of problems. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, like, realistically, these are two very tough defenses. We don't necessarily have the offensive personnel. Or maybe we might have, I mean, who knows really what this personnel is on offense because we haven't seen any sort of, like, I don't need to see us throw 40 times a game. I don't even need to see us throw 30 times a game, to be honest. But the, the threat of throwing the ball is good enough to fix a lot of other things. And I think the other big question here is going to be, and, and this is you know what we haven't accounted for, um, yeah, against Louisville and in part against BC is like is Chris Elmore back? Chris Elmore being out That's been has, a has, has, right has, has been. I mean, Chris Elmore like Sean Tucker. No, no knock on him. Chris Elmore is MVP of this team because you didn't realize last year just how important he was until he was back at playing fullback. This year you didn't realize how important he was until he was back until he was playing fullback. And now that he's not playing fullback, it was like he wasn't at the beginning of the season. You see a very different team out there. Not having him, I know Blythe didn't play last week either. Uh, looks like Vets out for the season. Like it, it, so we are starting to take on some some issues there. And, and and again to what my point earlier in the podcast, like the offensive line concerns are why you probably play some reserves in a blowout because then you can start because then once the guys start graduating, you're not saying every single year. Uh oh, now we gotta put in three guys that have never seen the field before, two guys that have never seen the field. No, if I mean this this is why Clemson for, for the longest time was able to why Alabama for the longest time because they use their time wisely that once the game's wrapped, you get guys reps so that they wanna stick around and also so that they're ready when their number is called.
0: Yeah. Uh, and even this year, like Syracuse came into the year with questions at offensive line, but for all for, for everything else, we had a decent amount of experience because so many guys have been thrust into roles are probably too early for um, but I think this year we're you know and even these last couple of weeks I think that was a lot better than it was yeah. two, the last two years um, it's certainly an issue with the injuries but it's not like the main issue which is nice for the first time in a while um, but a lot of that is because we had such experienced uh, you know starters basically through trial by fire um, so yeah getting those guys back would be huge but uh, no I totally agree like you know another another area where you can you can If you have the opportunity to build meaningful uh, depth and uh, experience in actual team settings, even if the team's well in hand, like, you know, that playing time, while it might mean something for a guy like Tucker at running back or whomever else in the offensive line, like it means a lot for those backups too. So, um, yeah, definitely a place that could, uh, we could have used a little bit more um, development there. Hopefully, you know, we get some guys back by the end of the year and we can get something close to uh, the full first unit. Uh, as we try to clinch bowl eligibility here. But that'll be, that'll be tough, too, because both these teams, as you said, defend the run quite well. Um, I'm sure Tucker will get his yards. But the question is, like, last week, even with Tucker getting 95 yards, he I think his longest run was 14. Like, they really kind of contained him from breaking those, like, huge 40-yard runs that he's had so often this year. And those are the kind of plays that uh, can really um, set things over the top for Syracuse. Like yeah, you get those kind of big plays, especially if they're not coming in the passing game.
1: Yeah, for Tucker, for Schrader, it's the home runs that mm-hmm. that, that that are really like, like the explosive plays, and that's why like explosive plays are great, but they're also not the end all, be all. Like, explosive plays when they're the only plays aren't great, and we saw against BC, right. explosive plays were the only plays. Everything else, there wasn't really a whole lot going on. Um, there were no really explosive plays against Louisville, and the other plays were similar to what we saw against BC, and that's how you end up. You know, losing a game, going away, forty-one to three. Dan, we're wrapping up here. Um, what do you see happening in this one? Do, do, do you dare to dream?
0: <laughs> oh uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna dial it back. Um, I, I'm gonna go in the other direction. Hopefully, I'm as wrong uh, this weekend as I was last weekend when I predicted uh, a Syracuse win, uh, a two-point win. Um, you know, just I was only only forty points off. Um, I'm going to go Louisville or not Louisville, NC State, uh, 31 to 14. That's rough. Yeah. I, uh,
1: I, I, I can't say I hate it from a logical standpoint. I I think for me, I'm going to go, um, NC State 30, Syracuse 21. Uh, I, I don't see us. Putting ourselves into a, a field goal kicking competition at this point.
0: That might um, actually be a way to win, just like while we've had questions. NC State's not a good kicking team, so <laughs> if we can get into one, I'll I'll, I'll hopefully uh, Schmidt will will come through for us. But
1: I mean, if we want to give him kicks inside forty yards, it probably work. Yeah. But yeah, I I think thirty to twenty one is fair. I, I think ultimately, like you know, when Schrader's pressed, he could start making some mistakes late. I I think ultimately, like SU hangs around for three quarters and then just can't really. You know, get it done at the end, or you end up with the alternative of SU doesn't hang around for the first three quarters and then makes it interesting toward the fourth quarter. Uh, it's probably one of those two results.
0: I'm just hoping that we're setting, I mean, if we lose this weekend, hopefully we're setting up for like a reverse 0 sits West Virginia Pitt situation. Obviously Pitt's not going to be in the playoff, but right. like just totally ruin their like really nice season. <laughs> I, I'd be all for that.
1: Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd very much like to beat Pitt. Um, it'd be revenge in part for the 2011 season.
0: And also, just the last two decades.
1: <laughs> the last two decades. Um, I know. I wrote the other day. Like Syracuse actually has done pretty well when they start season five and five. Um, two thousand eleven is like the only time it's gone poorly,
0: um, of late. We had the BC game in thirteen. The throwback. Yeah. Uh, which was great. I was there. Um, we also what was the last five and five. Do we? Two thousand
1: twelve, we were five and five, and then right. won out. Uh, two thousand thirteen, we f- pulled it off, as you mentioned. Um, 2011, I mentioned. Were we um, in
0: 10 when we beat Rutgers? Were we 5 and f- No.
1: I think oh four. 4 I think 3 and 4 with the other seasons. Okay. Um, and those both worked out in terms of getting six wins.
0: Yeah, I know 10, the Rutgers game was last week then, like that, however many years ago that was. Um, so it was earlier in the year, so I guess we wouldn't have been 5-5 five five anyway. Um, I think we hit 6-4 and, and then we... Split the last two, I assume, that year?
1: Yeah, I think we lost to BC. The UConn, maybe? Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Okay, yeah, I think that's right.
1: Yeah, without looking it up, that would be my guess. Um, But yeah, so we've we've figured out a way to get to six uh, a lot of times. We also haven't faced two top 25 teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we want to have a Diamond Ferry game against Pitt, by all means. (laughs) I do
0: think, like, I think NCC and Pitt are both good. They're both game. I think... They're kind of benefiting from how bad the ACC's been this year, so I think their records are probably a little inflated. They're also um, the
1: two programs you and I have shit on the most. Yeah, every year <laughs> like unwarrantedly.
0: Yeah, I mean, like we we we're I think we're responsible for Kenny Pickett maybe being a Heisman candidate this year, like <laughs> and legitimately, I, I voted for Pickett uh, in one of my three uh, I think Maxwell Award spots. Am I not supposed to say that? I don't know. Um I think it's fine. I was like, I have to. I look. I looked at the numbers. I was going through the quarterbacks. I was like, he's a too good. <laughs> I, would, I put Tucker in there too.
1: I, yeah, I, I definitely put Tucker in there.
0: I think I put Walker, Tucker, Pickett.
1: I think I had Walker, Tucker, Bryce Young.
0: I thought Young. I thought uh, Corral. It's tough. It's, it's really tough to vote on those things. I yeah. try to absolutely take it seriously.
1: I would agree. Uh, Dan, anything else before we head out here? I know uh, everyone's going to be mad at the uh, the disloyal idiots and and, and what we've what we put out into the world here. How
0: dare you pick it in Syracuse? All they did was lose by thirty eight last weekend. Um, no, I'm you know happy to be here in LA. It's you know it's not temperature wise not that much different than when I was in New York last week. It's it It's been pretty a nice... warm last week. Yeah, I heard uh, the first day I was here was like in the 70s, but it's in the 60s this week. Although that you know that I'm very comfortable. Um, no, I'm excited to see some of the rest of the city and enjoy my weekend. I you know if there's a decent chance I will not be watching the uh, NC State game live uh, just as I have stuff going on, but uh, hopefully I excitedly find a reason to watch it later on.
1: Fair enough. Well, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trainee and Absolute Podcast. And rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And Orange.
0: Dorns.